0: Welcome back to the Foul Balls Podcast for November 29th, 2017. And we have 10-game slate, and hopefully we get more timely injury news today. Uh, so for Tuesday slate, I didn't end up playing that slate. For me personally, I think it's the prudent decision to just shit out, uh, shit out slates. Yeah, definitely definitely do that. That makes a lot of sense. To sit out slates whenever we don't have injury news prior to lock. So like we went into tonight, uh, Jeff Teague was questionable, Chris Middleton was questionable, and just didn't know what those guys were going to be doing. I My gut feeling was that Teague was going to play and Middleton was going to sit, and obviously the opposite happened. So it's something that's really easy to do in those kinds of situations, if you email support for DraftKings or FanDuel, as long as it's at least 15 minutes prior to roster lock and say, can you guys please cancel my contest, they'll just respond, sure, and like within 30 seconds all your entries have been canceled. So if there's stuff that's going on in the slate that I feel like is just totally out of my control, I think that a good way to be profitable in dfs is you just don't want to be involved when there's that much unknown involved and you just play on more slates where you're in more control of the situation obviously we're not in total control of how basketball players play but just situations where we're able to predict a little bit easier where not only do we have to predict players performance but also who's going to play prior to games makes it really tricky so those are the kinds of slates that i prefer to sit out so 10 game slate here first game Phoenix at Detroit, Phoenix playing on the tail end of a back to back going in Detroit. Detroit's been playing really well this year. So there's a good amount of blowout risk from the Detroit side uh, from the Phoenix side of the game. I, I don't really think that there's anybody I'm gonna roster here. We have Alex Len was reintroduced to the rotation tonight. Uh Dragan Bender started a power forward, but he's only played a few minutes so far. It's just a real mess of a situation. TJ. Warren and Devin Booker have both been good this year. But still, this is a down-paced matchup for Phoenix. Uh, Detroit's also been a pretty good defensive team on the whole. From the Detroit side of the game, Andre Drummond's been really good this year. He's priced really up to 9200 You can't use him in cash games because the issue is just there's too much blowout risk here. Detroit currently 12-point favorites. Andre Drummond could easily have another monster game. Uh, it, he's done it a lot this year. But too risky for cash games, might not step on the court in the fourth quarter for the upside, yes for GPPs, but other than that, too risky to have a lot of exposure to this game.
1: Well, first, Greg, I don't know if you remember this, but this is the second day in a row actually where the first thing you said was hopefully we get better injury reporting. You had the exact same criticism of all of the beat reporters last night.
0: Well, no, it's not that the injury reporting was bad tonight, it was just that it wasn't available. Yesterday, I felt like it was more bad reporting. Whereas today, it's just a case of the the information wasn't available prior to roster lock.
1: Okay, that's fair. Yeah, that's an important distinction. But it was almost identical wording that you used. So I just thought that was kind of amusing. Uh, But I I definitely agree with your take on this game. There's a lot of blowout risk. The Pistons are minus 12. There's definitely potential for there to be a lot of points, though. The over-under is 218. Maybe that number is a bit high. And especially if Detroit's starters aren't in at the end of the game. Uh, Drummond makes some sense for GPPs, but I think Ish Smith is usable. He probably is a decent bet to hit value, even if the game is close. But in a blowout, he gets a few extra minutes, and you kind of have a hedge there where you're playing for the blowout. Maybe he ends up playing five or so extra minutes, but even if the game stays close, he's still sort of a fine play. So do you have interest there? Because I think if you're not going to use Drummond because you're worried about a blowout, I think Ish, Ish Smith could enter some lineups as kind of a counter to that and it also depends if there are cheap value guys on this slate because if there are a lot of them then I don't, I don't think we have to reach like this but if there aren't a lot of those cheap plugins then maybe this is one spot where it could make sense to use someone who isn't really a popular pick at all
0: yeah so here's the deal it's a 10 game slate there's going to be injuries there's going to be value plays i don't know exactly who they're going to be right now but they're going to exist because it always happens on a 10 game slate So for Ish Smith, I don't really want to reach there. The other thing also is I don't really think he benefits all that much from a blowout. Ish Smith has played in between 18 and 22 minutes in almost every single game this year. He's still a veteran player. The Pistons have younger guys who they'll use uh, in that kind of situation, or they'll just use, like Langston Galloway doesn't usually play, and a lot of times they'll throw him into garbage time. Luke Kennard was their first-round pick. They'll throw him in in garbage time. So the issue with Ish Smith is just yeah, he's a bench guy, except it doesn't necessarily mean he's a garbage time guy, if that if that follows. Yeah. There is kind of a distinction there where Ish Smith is the piston's sixth man and he does come off the bench. But if the if it gets into a late game blowout situation, they use their younger guys on the end of the bench to get playing time. They don't usually go to Ish Smith.
1: Yeah, and those younger guys on the end of the bench don't have reliable enough minutes where it probably makes any sense to use them at all, so this game probably could just be a complete fade unless you're using some of Drummond.
0: All right, next game, OKC at Orlando. Russell Westbrook, up to 11,200 because Beastbrook is back. It is not contributing to winning basketball games for the Thunder. Westbrook uh, has almost a triple-double in four games in a row. He is, He's triple-double in two of those games, but he's averaging a triple-double over those four games. But overall, the Thunder just won in four across their last five games. Westbrook is fine to pay up for, plus matchup. And the usage is up. He's taking more shots, getting more assists, getting more rebounds. Um, I think part of it also is the minutes are way up. So Westbrook was playing, like, high 20s, low 30 minutes for stretch of the season. And then and Kind of a disappointing start for the Thunder. And they've tried to, I guess, bounce it out. But Westbrook's minutes last few games, 40 minutes, 39, 37, 39, 38. Westbrook's playing more minutes, hence extra counting stats. Uh, Paul George 8,600. I think the issue with Paul George, he, I think he is the flu. So he's expected to play, except I think it's a reasonable thing. He isn't going to be at 100%. So a little risky for him at 8,600. I think Westbrook is the one guy who I really have interest in from the Magic. I mean, from the Thunder against the Magic. From the Orlando side of the game, uh, the, the Thunder, despite the poor overall record, they've still been a really good defensive team this year. They're top five in defensive efficiency. So this is a tough spot for the Magic. Um, Alfred Payton at 5,900. He is upside. But nobody else am I really all that interested in. And another thing about Alfred Payton, he's somebody who I like to throw into GPP lineups. Too risky for cash games. If you look at his game log recently, he's been alternating games of 40 fantasy points and 25 fantasy points. So if he keeps that trend up. Last game is a 26 fantasy point game. That means, all right, just by the just by the pattern staying alive means 40 plus fantasy point game for Alfred Payton. Do you buy into that, Matt? Okay, Can we just so Greg, in 40 fantasy points for Payton.
1: Greg is saying that Alfred Payton is due. That's what I'm hearing. And no,
0: it's not. It's not due. It's just a
1: pattern. Think it sounds. It sounds like due. It sounds like a pattern where he's either due or not due. And we're catching him in the spot where he's due. Uh, yeah, I mean, regardless of all that, I think Peyton is too cheap, and he does make sense for a tournament play. So I'm going to dodge your question and just say, I like Alfred Payton at his price, even in. All right, I so guess Matt's, kinda...
0: Matt's actually guaranteeing 50 fancy points.
1: <laughs> yeah, we're really interpreting each other's points very well on this podcast.
0: Um, and then kind of agree with everybody else. Is there anybody else in this game that you find interesting?
1: No, I mean, I agree with you on Westbrook. I'm not really sure yet, and it's kind of the same old thing that we always say with not knowing injury news, especially on large slates. I mean, if it's a slate where you need to pay up for someone because there are a lot of cheap values, then I like Russell Westbrook a lot. And then if there aren't a lot of cheap values where it's more of balanced lineup construction, then I'm okay with not using him. I think his price is kind of fair. It's sort of an okay matchup on the road, so I don't think it's the greatest pick, but as far as guys to pay up for, I think he's one of the better ones.
0: All right, next game, Washington Wizards at the Philadelphia 76ers. So for the Wizards, uh, John Wall obviously still out. Extra usage for Bradley Beal. His price is up to 8100 I think that's fair. I know he had a weak game tonight. Um, I think... I'm not really concerned about him not playing well tonight because that'll happen to people. But more to do with... The price has gone up. Second half of a back-to-back. So... Bradley Beal, I think he's worth exposure to, but not the strong play he was when he was in the low 7,000s in better matchups. Markeith Morris at 4,800. Let me see what his minutes are tonight. Uh, So Markeith Morris, supposedly no more minutes restriction and uh, 20 minutes tonight. So maybe that's because they have the back-to-back, but either way, Markeith Morris upside of 4,800 also. I just don't know how many minutes he's going to play. I know that he could play 35-plus minutes because I've seen him do it before. And they say that his minutes aren't restricted, but every time I think that he's a good play and they say minutes unrestricted, we're going to play Marquise Morris a lot of minutes, he ends up playing like 22 minutes. So eventually he's going to get there. It just hasn't happened yet. Tim Frazier, 4,400. The issue with Frazier tonight, we saw uh, Thomas Sadoransky run most of the point guard minutes for the Wizards. So it kind of looks like it's not going to necessarily totally be Tim Frazier's job. It looks like it's possible Sadoransky gets into the mix. So I'm probably going to avoid that Washington point guard situation for now, especially because Frazier's a bit more expensive from the Philadelphia side of the game. uh, There's no spread for this game right now. And the reason is because Ben Simmons is questionably sprained his ankle at the end of the Cavs Sixers game the other day and was not able to finish the fourth quarter. So if Ben Simmons doesn't play TJ McConnell, 4,600 be a really strong value play. We get a usage bump for Joel Embiid at 9,800 and Those guys will do really strong plays, and then a little bit more usage for uh, Big Bob Covington at 6,200.
1: Well, I don't really think that you can't use Bradley Beal here, and if Simmons doesn't play, then it becomes much more viable of a game for a full game stack, so in that situation, I think I like Beal a bit more, but yeah, for the Sixers, we can't really say much of anything without knowing the status of Ben Simmons, so this game is entirely contingent on whether or not he plays.
0: Yes. Another thing also is just, I mean, McConnell, if McConnell is the starting point guard, with Ben Simmons at McConnell, uh, probably the best value on the slate. Last year priced over 6000 when he was the starting point guard. And then we saw last game basically Ben Simmons numbers when Ben Simmons was out. So McConnell will be an awesome play if Simmons isn't able to go. Next game on the slate, Charlotte Hornets at the Toronto Raptors. There's a little bit of value on the Charlotte side of the game. Kemba Walker currently listed as doubtful. Doubtful does not totally mean somebody's out. It means somebody's very likely to be out, because as we saw with Andre Andre Iguodala the other night, he was listed as doubtful and ended up playing. So we do have to pay attention to the injury reports to make sure that Kemba Walker's ruled out. But I'm going to assume that he's out as of now, and that we have Michael Carter-Williams starting a point guard at 4,200. So Carter-Williams, not a very good NBA player at all. But he does have a somewhat friendly DFS game. He's averaging per minute this year uh, about 13 fantasy points in 16 minutes. So I think it's fair to say he's going to probably play somewhere around 32 minutes or so as a starting point guard. So that would put him somewhere around 26 minutes as a baseline. And at 4,200, I think he's a pretty safe bet to hit value. Uh, Nick Batum at 5,800. He's going to have extra ball handling responsibility also with um, with Kemba Walker out. We just have to pay attention to is he's going to have any kind of minutes restriction because obviously Batum, the elbow injury, he came back. He was a little bit restricted, and then he had to miss a game with the same elbow injury. Then he came back and only played 22 minutes. So if Nick Batum is going to be playing unrestricted, strong play, if he's going to only be playing 22 to 25 minutes, then probably somebody I'm going to want to stay away from. From the Toronto side of the game, Right now, DeMar DeRozan is listed as questionable, but he practiced in full today. So, this injury report is from a couple of days ago when DeRozan got hurt during a game. But since he practiced in full, I'm assuming he's going to be fine to play. And I think he'll probably be upgraded to probable or maybe even in by tomorrow morning. So, let's see. Who else do we have? Kyle Lowry and DeMar DeRozan. I think that they're both okay plays. Uh, Other than that, I think... uh, Pascal, Siakam, he's had some decent games lately. His minutes have been trending upward. Uh, I'm still a little concerned that the minutes aren't really guaranteed, but I think at 3,800, he makes sense as a punt play. The issue is is if you look at the scores of some of the games where he played more minutes, like he played 31 minutes last game, but that was also a 35-point game. The game before was only a three-point game, and he played 22 minutes. So Siakam, I do think that there's a case to be made that Siakam is better than Ibaka or Jonas Valanciunas right now but I don't think that necessarily means that Dwayne Casey sees it the same way. So Siakam 3,800, GPP play with some upside, but a bit risky, uh, but worth taking a chance on in GPP.
1: Um, I'll mention something on the doubtful comment that you had. I think that that Andre Iguodala scenario from last night was pretty unusual because Steph Curry and Kevin Durant didn't play, so Andre Iguodala was sort of a desperation upgrade into the starting lineup. Uh, Just for a point of reference, the Vegas lines usually treat doubtful as out. Uh, We actually do have a Vegas line for this game already, and with the Hornets and Raptors being pretty similarly capable teams at full strength, um, and the Hornets are plus eight for this game, it does seem like Vegas is expecting Kemba Walker to sit. So I think we can kind of just assume that, but it's definitely worth monitoring because that would obviously change almost everything in terms of picks for this game Um, yeah I mean
0: when when somebody's doubtful like it's like 98 to 99 percent of the time they're out but every once in a while somebody gets upgraded from doubtful to questionable or they are doubtful and just end up playing so I think my my one point is just that we saw the other day where Iguodal did get uh listed as doubtful and ended up playing is just you can't assume 100 percent that because somebody's doubtful that they're definitely not playing it means they're prop. They're almost definitely not playing, but there's a slight chance they play. So it's just something to keep an eye on.
1: Yeah, I think I think that's fair. So with that ninety nine percent assumption that Kemba is out, yeah, the guys you mentioned, uh, Michael Carter Williams and Batum, I definitely agree with you on them, especially Batum with the extra usage. Um, well, maybe not even usage, but just having the ball in his hands more, and more of a playmaking role. I'm curious how that affects the rest of the Charlotte team, though, like with Dwight Howard, but. It's a really tough matchup for him anyway in Toronto. So I think it's really, for this game, it's just the guys that directly benefit from Walker not playing, like Carter Williams and Batum. I'm not really interested in anywhere else from the Charlotte side. But I do agree with you on Siakam. Uh, If he's getting enough minutes, then that's a really cheap price. Probably a good punt play. And there isn't a lot of blowout risk here, so maybe that caps his minutes a bit. But even if he's only playing a reasonable number of minutes, you know, not any added... uh, run at the end of the game where it's a blowout, even if he plays 25 minutes or so, he's cheap enough that that's probably fine. So I think it's those three players to target mostly.
0: All right. So next game on the slate is the Miami heat at the New York Knicks. Uh, this is a super low two Oh one point total uh, Miami heat coming off a blow off loss to the Cavs. Uh, Son Whiteside just got smashed nearly going by Kevin love. And he just has the issue where he cannot guard big men who could shoot because Hassan Whiteside likes his block stats. He likes to hang out in the paint and rack up blocks. Again, really a lot of – he's a very good weak side defender where if if somebody if somebody gets around their man, he is good at picking them up in the paint and altering the shot. But if his man is just like a Kevin Love type and is going to hang out on the perimeter and hit shots, he's never going to come out and guard them, which we saw tonight with love. Love just stood out on the perimeter wide open and just hit shot after shot against Hassan Whiteside. So for the Knicks tomorrow, the Knicks would be prudent to start Kristaps Porzingis at center because he would be able to do the same thing, but guess what? The Knicks are not going to do that. They're going to start Ennis Kanter at center, and it is not the optimal scenario for the Knicks, but that is what they're going to do. Uh, Porzingis at 8200 I think is a decent GPP play, but nobody else will really have interest in on the Knicks. This is a pace down game, and we also have Ennis Kanter coming back from injury. So I think that this is a pretty good spot to stay away from outside of Porzingis and no interest for me in the Heat side of the game either.
1: Yeah, I agree with you. Uh, I think the biggest takeaway from this game is that we should have rostered Kevin Love on Monday. I think we can retroactively pick Kevin Love. The matchup makes a lot of sense. He played really well. Hassan Whiteside is just not the right person to guard him. So my biggest takeaway for this game is play Kevin Love on Monday night if somehow you can figure out how to do that.
0: Yeah, against Hassan Whiteside.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, go back in time if you in your time machine and put Kevin Love in your lineups, and I think that that's a really good take by both of us.
0: All right. So next game is the Pacers at the Heat. Victor Oladipo is listed as questionable, but it's with the same knee injury that he was listed as questionable for last game. I don't think that this is. I think this is just like a clerical error type thing. I think that they never updated their injury report, didn't update the game notes. We see this happen all the time with teams. Victor Oladipo, I think he's fine to go with the bruised knee. So he is at 8,400. He's had some monster games this year. 8,400, I just think that's a bit too high for Oladipo. Uh, Miles Turner, 6,300. I'm going to keep putting him in just a few GPP lineups. I know that the performance hasn't been great this year. He gets in foul trouble seemingly every single game. He's unable to stay out of foul trouble. But I've seen this in the past with really talented big men. We've seen it with Porzingis a couple years ago. We saw it with Nikola Jokic last year. And a lot of these talented big guys, they have foul trouble, but eventually they figure it out and they start to put it together with really monster fantasy outings. I think that's going to happen with Turner at some point this year. I'm definitely going to put him in, say, like 5% of my GPP lineups because he's going to have some big games and figure out how to stay on the court at some point. From the Houston side of the game, there's some blowout risk here, but still Harden's in play, Paul is in play, Clint Capella's in play for me, and I don't think I'm going to roster anybody else from the Rockets.
1: Let's see, we do, this game does have a Vegas line, just lost it for a second. Nope, it doesn't. This is, um, we have a tentative line from one, one sportsbook, but most of the main ones don't. But the projected line is around 12, so there's not a ton of blowout risk here. I don't think that that's worth considering too much. Uh, James Harden's ownership is concerning, so if you're paying up for someone, I think I like Westbrook more and maybe a couple other guys. Um, but for the Pacers, yeah, I think I just agree with everything you were saying there. It's, uh, sort of a decent spot and Miles Turner, I think you probably recommend using him on every slate, but this is, this is another spot where he's too cheap and it's not the hardest matchup in a fast paced game. So I think, I think that's fine, but overall, this is sort of an interesting game where there could be a lot of points, but everyone's kind of just fairly priced.
0: Yeah, I think, uh, yeah, I think my one point on Miles Turner though is even though I like him, like he's not somebody who I'm putting in like 80% of my lineups or something like that. He's just like I think he's a play with upside, and he's somebody who I think is a super talented All Star type future player. And it's it's just like if you're building say 20 lineups, I think it's worthwhile to put him in one or two of those lineups. So that's kind of my stance on Miles Turner right now because he is somebody who I like the future upside of. If you're not comfortable with the foul risk or if you just say this guy's burned me, I think he sucks. Like, if your opinion is Miles Turner is not good, then by all means, don't roster him. I think Miles Turner is really good, and he's just having trouble staying on the court this year. So the next game, Minnesota Timberwolves at the New Orleans Hornets. We have the same situation with Timberwolves that we had tonight. Jeff Teague is currently questionable to play tomorrow. He missed tonight's game with the Achilles injury. He did warm up before the game and just decided that it wasn't feeling 100%. So... If he isn't able to go again tomorrow, we have Tyce Jones at 4,500 would be a very viable punt play. He's been playing extremely well as a starting point guard in Teague's place. Um, I think that Teague is probably more likely to play than not tomorrow, but that'll be another thing. We'll just have to pay attention as the night goes on. From the New Orleans side of the game, I really like Rajon Rondo at 4,900. Oh, wow.
1: Greg said he likes him. Rondo. That is weird. You
0: know, I, I love Rondo's my favorite player. He's so good at basketball and definitely doesn't kill his team when he's on the court and has awesome plus minus numbers. Uh, Rajon Rondo at 4,900. He is scoring per minute this year. Let's see, what are his numbers? He is scoring 18 fantasy points per game in 21 minutes. The minutes are going to come up. He's going to be playing 30 plus minutes a game, and then we can expect him to be scoring you know somewhere just below 30 fantasy points. So at 4900 he's just a bit too cheap. He's a lot upside there. He's good play for cash games, good play for GPPs. DeMarcus Cousins is in play. Anthony Davis is in play, but GPP only. And I think for now, those are the guys I'm going to like on the Pelicans. Is It's going to be Rondo and Cousins are cash games for now. Cash game plays, and then those guys are GPP plays with Anthony Davis in the mix as well.
1: So I don't really like anyone from Minnesota unless Jeff Teague isn't playing, and then Ty Jones is a pretty obvious pick. Uh, the second night of the back-to-back thing hurts Minnesota. They're in a close game with the Wizards right now, so no uh, no extra rest for blowout or anything like that. The starters are in at the end of the game, and I guess maybe it will go to overtime, and then they'll have even less rest. But for the Pelicans, I think the strategy probably is to play Rondo with either Davis or Cousins in GPPs, because um, Rondo, I guess, is kind of dependent on getting assists for his point production, so he's going to correlate strongly with one of them most games. So I guess... The question is, do you use Davis or Cousins? Who's the preferred choice? I kind of just have no opinion on that at this point. Um, Maybe lean more towards Davis and GPPs just because he'll usually have lower ownership. People are more scared of using him for that injury risk. So Rondo for sure, and I think Davis makes more sense, or at least I prefer him to boogie.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm fine with either of them. I don't actually really have a lean either way, just because their prices are about the same. Usually, I say roster whichever one of them is cheaper. But their prices so close together, it's it's whatever to me. I think either's fine. And then Rondo also very fine. A uh, few games left. Uh, Brooklyn Nets at the Dallas Mavericks. For the Nets, uh, Rondé Hollis Jefferson is out. Um, who else was out? Who was the other Nets player? Alan is out Crab for is Ron? also out. Uh, yeah, Alan Crab's out. So we have the same issue with the Nets every game. Like last game I, they had, those guys were out and Damari Cowell was out. And I looked at that and I said, for sure somebody's getting big minutes for the Nets. Like I always take the stance of don't play Nets guys because everybody's going to play like somewhere mid-20s minutes. And then Damari Cowell was out also. And I thought, well, definitely guys are going to play more minutes. And it just didn't happen. We still had everybody playing like mid-20s minutes. So Nets, I'm fine with just avoiding them. Uh Spencer Dinwiddie is the one guy who will play extra minutes, except his price is way up now. And then all the other kind of role player, like the Damari Carroll, Karis Lever, Joe Harris types, all those guys just play like around 25 minutes, and none of them are super awesome GPP plays because they have limited ceilings. None of them are good cash game plays because they have limited floors. And then from the Dallas side of the game, this is a really good matchup for Dallas. The Nets played a really fast pace. They play really bad defense. Harrison Barnes is a good play for GPP and cash games. Dennis Smith Jr. is a good play for GPP and cash games. Wesley Matthews is a good play for GPP and cash games. I really like targeting the Dallas Mavericks tomorrow. Not only do they have cheap prices, but, I mean, it's also just I would expect good production from them, especially Dennis Smith Jr., who I think is really talented. He's had some down games recently, but the Mavericks have had really rough matchups. they played the Spurs twice. they played the Thunder. Uh, I think they played the Warriors. They've just been getting slammed by hard matchups, and this is a Way easier matchup against the Nets than the recent games.
1: It's it's kind of strange to uh, worry about blowout risk for the Mavericks, but I think there is some here with this depleted Nets roster that they're facing. But either way, I like the Dallas guys a lot. All the all the guys you said. Um, it's probably my favorite group of players for any team. But I think also game stacks here. Do you think it's a ridiculous strategy to just? kind of guess which Nets players play the big minutes for stacks, like maybe use two or three or maybe. Yeah, even... Oh, no, no.
0: I'm guess. I'm confidently guessing none of them. <laughs> like, well, I'm, I, it's that's just what it's going to be. They're going to, like, Spencer Dinwiddie will play, like, 31 to 32 minutes, and then there's going to be a bunch of guys who play, like, 22 to 26 minutes, and none of them are going to have big games. That's just every single game for the Nets for the last two years. That's how they run the rotation.
1: So it's sort of a dilemma that happens it's usually when a team is playing against the Nets, I guess also when a team plays against the Kings or some other really bad team that spreads their minutes around, but it's a good matchup for the opponent where it's just kind of a weird thing to roster four or five players from the same team in the same lineup. And then none of the players from their opponent, just because you're not, you're you're playing for that correlation that the game stays close and all the players are in at the end, but then you're not rostering anyone from the other side. So you're not getting that added bonus So for that reason, I think if I'm going to use a lot of Mavericks in the same lineup, I probably would try to pick one or two Nets guys that have at least somewhat reliable minutes. And then if the game's close, maybe you have a lot of upside in that lineup. But uh, I think the more reasonable strategy is just to use a lot of Dennis Smith, a lot of Harrison Barnes, a lot of Wes Matthews in different lineups and kind of fade the Nets for the most part. But I do think this game is one of the more interesting ones overall on the slate.
0: Yeah, I just think the issue is... Like I mean, maybe if you want to say like maybe Trevor Booker plays a decent amount of minutes, but if you look at Booker's minutes from the last few games, he played 27 minutes, nine minutes a game that he got hurt, then he played 20 minutes, then he played 31 minutes. So it's like, oh, maybe Trevor Booker is a bigger role now. And then after playing 31 minutes, he went back to 20 minutes. So uh, I just I, I just question how much upside there really is in any of those Nets players. Where I think the absolute nut best case scenario is you roster a guy who's priced around five thousand that scores like 30 fantasy points, which. That's fine. That's a nice result. But that's not like a crazy good result. And I just think there's going to be better value plays and the best way to make money on a slate this large is probably just going to be to target where the best value is per dollar. And I just don't see that on the net side of this game.
1: Yeah, I guess someone like Joe Harris probably is a good value if there aren't uh, those cheap injury value guys, but there always are. So we probably just don't have to reach that much.
0: All right, so next game on the slate the Memphis Grizzlies at the San Antonio Spurs. The Grizzlies are a mess right now. They just fired their coach, David Fisdale. Uh, Mario Chalmers is questionable to play tomorrow. If he doesn't play, I think it's likely that we see. uh, Is Andrew. I guess it could be Andrew Harrison starting. It's either going to be Harrison starting. Maybe they even go with Macklemore, or maybe they just start Tyreek Evans at point guard. I think that all of those guys would just kind of be fringy plays because they're playing in San Antonio, so this is a really tough matchup. And then also just how much of a mess Memphis is right now. I think that there's probably a little bit more blowout risk here even than the eight-point Vegas line indicates. And then from the Spurs side of the game, uh, the Spurs recently got Tony Parker back from his quad injury. He missed the end of the playoffs last year. He missed the beginning of this season. So with Tony Parker back, that takes – Patty Mills out of play that takes DeJounte Murray out of play. Even Tony Parker's only playing at 15 to 18 minutes right now, so he's not in play, but he affects other players on the team. LaMarcus Aldridge is fine as a GPP play. Uh, Outside of him, nobody I'm really interested in.
1: Yeah, I guess maybe if we get some clarity on the Grizzlies' rotation before the game, then some of those guys become interesting just for cheap prices that are playing minutes because, yeah, this is a really terrible matchup for them. A lot of blowout risk. I agree with you. The uh, the eight-point spread probably undersells the potential for the Spurs to win by a lot. The line opened at seven, and it's already moved a point. I'm going to guess that that's sharp money, and it's probably going to move more. So there is a decent amount of blowout risk here, maybe even more so than some of the other games we mentioned where the, the spreads are like 11 or 12. Um, I'm, I'm fine with just fading this game entirely unless we really have uh, some information on a Memphis starter that's cheap and makes a lot of sense. But as of now, there's just... Nowhere really that looks that usable. And I don't know, the Marcus Aldridge is fine, but they're probably just better guys to pay up for.
0: All right, last game, Warriors-Lakers. Uh, Steph Curry is questionable. He said that his hand, he just woke up and his hand was really swollen. He doesn't really know how it happened. Kevin Durant still dealing with swelling in his ankle, so he's questionable. Both of them did practice today, so it is possible to see them play tomorrow, but still list is questionable. We're not really sure. If, uh... If they don't play, then it's more, more usage for Clay Thompson. The ball's going to be in the hands of Draymond Green more. And then from the Lakers' side of the game, uh, let's see what we have here. Oh, the Lakers are such a mess now because Larry Nance Jr. is back from his broken hand. What is his price at? He's at 5400 So Nance being back, that impacts the minutes of Julius Randle. That impacts the minutes of Brooke Lopez. The guard situation, that's still a mess for the, for the Lakers. Overall, this is probably just a stay-away spot for me. Warriors also one of the best defensive teams in the league.
1: Yeah, I have no interest in the Lakers either. And then for the Warriors, again, we can't really say anything until we know what's going on with Curry and Durant. Um, the Warriors did shake up their starting lineup. They had played Omri Caspi and Sean Livingston in the starting lineup. With
0: No, they started uh, Patrick McCaw at point guard.
1: Right, so now it's McCaw and... I guess Caspi Caspi did start, right? But Jordan Bell didn't start?
0: No, it was Caspi. Their starting lineup was...
1: Uh, oh, Andre Iguodala was back. That was that was the other... Yeah, forward.
0: but Iguodala doesn't start regularly anyway. Iguodala just came off the bench, but Iguodala playing takes away Caspi's minutes. So uh, Patrick McCall hasn't even been in the rotation all year, so it was really weird that he started over Livingston. So it went uh, McCall, Clay Thompson, Caspi, Draymond Green, and Zaza. And then it was just... Uh, Livingston getting some extra minutes off the bench and uh, just kind of a hodgepodge of other guys spread out. So we won't really know until we get more word really on who's going to be out between Durant and Thompson. I mean between Durant and Curry. Uh, but it could be another situation where if Durant is out and Clay's uh, and Steph starting it would be huge usage for Steph again, and then obviously huge usage for Clay if both Durant and Steph are out.
1: And uh, Curry would have the added benefit of Lonzo Ball guarding him, so that's uh, that's always exciting. Or is Lonzo Ball not that bad defensively? Is, it, is he just terrible at everything, or is it just his shooting?
0: Well, the Lakers are top 10 in the league in defensive efficiency, and the only position that they're really weak against for DFS is point guards. So, yeah, Lonzo Ball, by all accounts, not a great defender either.
1: Well, that does seem like a really good spot if Steph Curry is matched up with him. So maybe uh, the ideal scenario for us is that Curry plays and Durant sits, but it might it might be tough because we may not actually know anything before lock. So this is probably the most important situation to monitor if we get any information before 7
0: o'clock. All right, so that'll wrap up today's podcast. We'll be back tomorrow. You can follow me on Twitter at GErinbergDFS, and Matt's Twitter handle is at PreachingSense.